Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. This is the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number two. This is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight and feel better so that you can have the life you want. This is the resource you've been looking for to guide you on the journey to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food. Here's your host, Dr. Katrina Ubell. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited you're back here again. I have to just confess to you guys that whenever I think about you guys with so much love in my heart and just so fondly, I always think about you guys like they're my lady doctors. And I have to tell you why that is. So when I started my practice right out of residency, I was joining a practice that had been in existence for 40 years, private practice for 40 years. And I was the first female physician that they had ever hired. So this was, wow, big deal, 40 years of all men, and here's the first woman. And so even though we were in, you know, a metropolitan area, it was really kind of this small town feel, which was just so nice. And so the three receptionists that sat at the front desk at that time were these three adorable women who were both, or all of them were in their like early 60s or so. And so for them, having a female doctor was like this really big deal. And so I would not always be busy as you are when you're first starting out. And I would be sitting at my desk and I could hear them talking to people on the phone and stuff. And it was so cute how they would just sometimes pick up the phone and say, Oh, you know, Dr. So-and-so isn't in today, but you can see our lady doctor. 
like our new lady doctor. And it was just so cute. It was like, I can't be offended by this, you know, even though I was like, why, why does it even matter? You know, if I'm a woman or not, but they just were so excited to have a woman there. And I think it was just kind of a new thing. Like they really hadn't had any or very many women physicians as the doctors who took care of them, certainly not when they were growing up. So I think they were just really excited to be able to try to promote me and get people to accept me. And um, it didn't take long. But anyway, I just always kind of have that little Wisconsin accent in my head when I think about you guys like, oh, they're my lady doctors doing the same thing that all of us are doing and proving to the world that we are just as capable as the men are. All right, so let's move on today. So last time I talked about the model, the thought model, I'm going to give you a quick review of that in a minute. But what we're really going to talk about today is awareness of those thoughts. Last time I talked about how it can be a little bit difficult to even know what you're thinking, or maybe your surface thoughts are very much just like that on the surface, doesn't seem like there's something deeper going on, but there really is. And we just have to figure out how to get to that. So let's get started with that. So let's just review that thought model again. Again, this was created by Castillo. And so there's five components to it. The first is the circumstance. And so the circumstance is just that what are the neutral facts. So it can't be, you know, my boss yelled at me, it would be more my boss told me that I'm not doing a good job. Because that can be proven, right? Somebody else can say, yes, I heard the boss say that, you know, you're not doing a good job. We can't say my boss was really rude to me or said in a mean tone, you're not doing a good job because, you know, I'm interpreting that as mean, but someone else might be like, oh, no, I don't think that's mean at all. And probably the boss doesn't think he was being mean. So that really isn't the neutral facts. The neutral facts are really just the facts. What someone said to you, you know, how much you weigh, you know, just things like that. Like, you know, my kids fell on the ground and were crying loudly when I told them they couldn't get ice cream. You know, it's not like they were throwing a fit and acting like brats or like something like that. That would be a thought about them throwing their themselves on the floor. So that's our circumstance, that neutral fact that everybody would agree on. And then our thoughts can be triggered by those circumstances. So we have thoughts about those circumstances. And then our thoughts create feelings in our bodies or emotions. And then our emotions drive our actions And our actions can be things we do, things we don't do, so that we aren't avoiding what we should be doing, like an inaction. Always a big example is, you know, binge watching Netflix and probably eating rather than going and doing what you should be doing. And then our actions create our results. And the result is always proof or evidence of that original thought. So we're going to really dig deeper into that today on this podcast. So so the very first thing I teach my clients when I'm teaching them these concepts is the difference between a circumstance and a thought. And this is super, super critical, you guys, because we really think our problems are our circumstances and we want to change those. So it just applies to everything, right? It's like, you know, I don't like my neighbors, so I'm just going to move. Or just the patients in this practice are so difficult that I'm going to find a new job. And so this is the thing, right? You are totally welcome to move or find a new job. You're, you know, it's, nobody's saying you can't do that. But you should really like your reason. You don't want to be 
choosing a new job because you're trying to get away from somebody at your practice or your your patients or your, the group of patients that you see or getting away from your neighbor. I mean, sure, you would get away from them, but there's also a, a much easier way to handle your emotions about your neighbor. So you don't have to move. And the neighbor gets to be who the neighbor is. The patients get to be who the patients are. And if you can get to the point where you're completely in charge and managing your emotions about those people, and then you still decide, you know, but I still would really rather just work with a different patient population. You're totally welcome to do that. Of course, you can do that. You can do whatever you want. But it's what is driving you to do that. So we really have to see what the difference is here. And so I'm going to give you an example that is really pretty easy to understand. And then I'm going to show it to you with something that's a little bit more difficult. And I do just want to say that looking at our circumstances and seeing, you know, what we are experiencing in our lives or what we see around us as the problem is the way most people look at this. this. There's nothing wrong with you if that is the way that you view your life. That's pretty much how we all do it at first, because that's how it's modeled to us. You know, people look at it like I have problem people in my life. Well, the reason you think they're a problem person is because of the way you're thinking about them, not because of what they're doing. So we're going to get deep into that in future podcasts. You might be thinking right now, like, hmm, I don't know about that. That sounds a little strange. But we'll get into that as we go along. So let me give you this first example to differentiate the difference between a circumstance and a thought. So if I have a thermometer and I have it outside and I look out the window one morning and it reads 40 degrees, then I can say it's 40 degrees outside. You know, that's a circumstance. It's a neutral fact. It's a scientific instrument. It is showing me what the temperature is. And any person in the whole world could come over and look and see, yep, 40 degrees outside. That's what the temperature is. Okay, so that is a circumstance. If I say, oh, it's cold outside, that is a thought, even though that is totally my experience of 40 degrees. You know, I'd say, oh, we need to bundle up, we need to put coats on, things like that. And the reason that is, is because that's the meaning that I'm assigning to 40 degrees. So somebody else might look at 40 degrees and go like, oh my gosh, that's not really that cold at all. Like think of someone like in Alaska or Siberia or somebody who's like, you know, like at 40 degrees, we're like getting on our, you know, windbreakers, we're wearing shorts, we are, this is like spring's coming, you know, their viewpoint on 40 degrees is totally different than somebody say, you know, in the South or California or something, where 40 degrees is like crazy, crazy cold. So our interpretation of 40 degrees, whether it's cold or not that cold, is a thought. So most people are able to get that example, like understanding the difference between the circumstance and the thought there. Now I'm going to extrapolate that over to something a little bit more emotionally charged. And that is what happens when we stand on the scale. So if someone stands on the scale and the scale reads 200 pounds, that is a circumstance. I mentioned that last time on the podcast that it's a scientific instrument. It's all it's measuring is your gravitational pull on the earth in that moment. So everybody could come over and look, yep, 200 pounds. That's what we've got here. So if you then have a thought when you step on the scale and see 200 pounds, I'm fat, that is a thought. And you might really argue for that. No, but it's true, right? I really should be weighing 130 pounds. I'm 70 pounds overweight. I'm fat. 
But think about somebody else who might step on the scale and see 200 pounds. Like someone who weighed 300 pounds two years ago steps on the scale and sees 200 pounds and they're like, holy crap, you guys, I just lost 100 pounds. I am such a badass. I'm the most amazing person. You know, and they have every right to look at it that way, right? So you get to decide what 200 pounds means. Like you could look at 200 pounds and go, okay, this is the highest I've ever weighed. And it seems to me like this is probably something I want to change versus, oh my God, I'm so fat. This is horrible. How did I let it get so bad? I have no self-discipline. I'm a weak person, all those kinds of things. So this is something I want you to start mulling around in your brain. Like let this start marinating in there as to what you think about this, whether you can see how there are times when our experience of something can totally vary from someone else's experience. Like, you know, you might have an experience of 200 pounds as like, oh my gosh, I didn't even weigh that much when I was pregnant. And someone else might be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, 200 pounds would be a dream for me right now. And so all of that is a thought. So you get to decide what you think when you step on the scale. So this is excellent news because what this means is that nobody else needs to change and nothing around you needs to change in order for you to think about something differently and think about it in a way that serves you. Because if you have the thought, I'm fat when you see 200 pounds, what you make that mean, like, you know, I'm fat, and then you feel totally defeated. And then what do you go do? You go binge eat cookies. And then the result, you gain a pound, which proves that you're fat. So having that little sneaky thought that just seems really truthful, like you're truthful, like you're just keeping it real for yourself, doesn't serve you. So we're going to have lots of examples in upcoming podcasts where you can see this connection and see how we really need to start questioning and evaluating the way we interpret, you know, most of our lives or certainly the areas that aren't working very well for us. So this applies to other things that are not related to our weight as well. So you can change your experience of a difficult person in your life without them having to change at all which is awesome, right? Because what we really would rather do is just never have to see them. You know, if your great aunt drives you crazy, you would just rather never see her and just never go to Thanksgiving or something, right? Like that would be the easiest thing to do. But that's oftentimes not really a possibility. So if she's not going to change, your choices are to either change you, which is a possibility, or I guess run away and hide, which, you know, a lot of times doesn't work or isn't something acceptable. Or sit with your misery in what you think about her. And this is the thing, when you feel upset about someone else, they don't feel that. Only you feel that. So it's like, we think like, I need to be upset about this person. But it's not changing that person at all. It's only making us feel miserable. And then oftentimes, because of that miserable feeling, we go and eat. Or it could be something else. Like, you guys, so many people, how many people are out there? Oh, I need a glass of wine this is like this badge of honor amongst moms, I feel like now, like, you know, I need to have a glass of wine all the time. Oh, I need a drink. And it's kind of funny. And we joke about it. And that's all fine. But really, what we're doing is we're just trying to neutralize those negative emotions rather than actually dealing with them and making them better for ourselves. Or like spending too much. You know, these people drive me nuts. So instead, I'm going to get lost in online shopping and totally, you know, rack up this huge bill on my credit card. 
or it could be, you know, for some people it's gambling or looking at porn or doing drugs or whatever it may be. But those are all ways of trying to neutralize those negative emotions. So you can think about your overweight body in a way that serves you. I mean, there are people who coach people who are morbidly obese on fat acceptance, which I think is fantastic. You know, there are people who are just like, look, I don't want to lose weight, but I also don't want to hate myself at this weight that's that's high. And I think that's fantastic. But if you're someone who's like, you know what, I want to not hate myself, but I also do want to get thinner, then this is the work for you right here. So another way that you can change your thoughts is about money. You know, whether you have a lot of money or a little money, whether you have a huge amount of debt or no debt, you get to decide what you think about money. You can decide from a scarcity mentality that money is hard to get, that if you lose all your money, your life is over. So many people are raised with this mentality that, you know, money is really difficult. Or you can decide to think like money is everywhere. Money is waiting for me to earn it. There's no problem getting more money. And just deciding that and believing that and then doing the things it takes to get that money. So, okay, so let's pivot here a little bit. So we have to start really evaluating and realizing what our thoughts are. So when we do that, we take on a role that people call the observer or the watcher of our thoughts. So humans, as far as we know, are really the only people who can do this. This is called metacognition, where we can actually think about us thinking. You know, we can see what's going on for us and yet sort of distance ourselves a little bit as well and pay attention to what's going on for us. It's it's really fascinating. And it's part of what really makes us human. So you can start to pay attention to what you're thinking rather than just going through your life, just not putting any attention on this at all. You can start to just observe, just watch. And so if you think about an observer or a watcher, they're not somebody who's judging, they're not berating, they're not, you know, making hateful comments, they're not talking in a condescending way. Like they're just observing, they're just watching, they're noticing. So you want to come from a place of compassion, of curiosity, and of interest. Like just, I wonder what's going on for me. I wonder why I'm thinking about it that way. You know, poor thing. Look at how you immediately go to worst case scenario. I wonder why that is. Looking into that and figuring that out is all what we're looking to do here. So I sometimes think of like an anthropologist studying like a new culture for the first time or something, you know, like you've got your magnifying glass and you're just paying attention. What are those thoughts? And so what you'll probably notice is that when you get stressed, you start experiencing negative emotion, that your brain wants to go straight to unconsciousness, not literal unconsciousness, like you are unconscious on the floor. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is you go into a state where you don't want to pay attention, where you're basically asking your brain not to remember Like, this is uncomfortable, so I'm just not going to have any memory of this. Like, I sometimes think about, like, think about when you're trying to eat healthy and then you finish the crust of your kid's grilled cheese when you're cleaning up their lunch and you have a few of those things. And then when you go to food journal at the end of the night, you don't write that down because you actually don't remember it. 
I mean, if you really, really thought you could remember it, but you're like, oh, no, I all I did was just eat the food on plan today. And that's because our brains just kind of go unconscious like this isn't going to count. So just don't even like file this away in our memory, because I know I shouldn't be doing it. So I just don't want it to count. And then when we don't lose weight, like we think we should, we say the diet isn't working, right? It can't be something we're doing. It has to be that diet isn't working for me. So just pay attention to that, what your brain does, how when you're feeling stressed out, you're feeling upset, you're feeling really exhausted, how you might just be like, it's too much work, I can't do it. But just again, compassion, compassion is what we want to do. So so remember, we have like 40,000 to 60,000 thoughts going on for us every day. Now, I don't think all of those are really on the surface. They're not all surface thoughts, but there will be deeper thoughts underneath that. And those are going to be the ones we really want to start identifying. So we just practice and practice being aware and have that compassionate viewpoint and start asking ourselves questions about it. Like think about if you're best friend came and talked to you or like your teenage daughter came to you and told you a bunch of negative thoughts or thoughts about things like you wouldn't go immediately into like, oh my God, you're so weak. You're so stupid. That's so stupid to think that way. Or, you know, well, it sounds like you deserved it. You know, I guess that's what happens when you make a bad decision like that. You know, of course you would never talk to them that way. You would just start asking, well, why do you think you did that? What are you making that mean? From the most loving place possible. So what that that person said that and answering the questions for yourself. That's how you start finding out what it really means. Those are what your thoughts really are. And you can keep asking yourself that. Okay, so what are you making that mean? You know, why? Why do you think about it that way? And you start to find out those deeper root causes for why you're doing these things that you don't want to be doing. And you can practice the tone of your self-talk too. You know, like how many times have I thought to myself like, oh my God, what is my problem? Or something like that, you know, versus what's the matter, love? What's going on for you right now? You know, just a really compassionate way of talking to yourself. Like you're holding space for yourself. Like you're creating the safe place for you to unpack what's going on in your mind. So one great exercise that I highly recommend you guys start doing is called a thought download. And ideally, you would do this every day. And it really takes like five to 10 minutes to do this. It's very, very short. When to do it in your day totally depends on, you know, when you have time. When you have time is when you should do it. I mean, you can do it while you're sitting on the toilet if that's when you have time. But ultimately, ideally, you do it at a time when you notice that you have a lot of negative emotion. So some people might wake up with a lot of anxiety or worries, and that's a great time to just empty that all out. Or some people might find at like lunchtime or at the end of clinic or after, you know, busy OR day that that's when their mind is just going nuts. For me, it definitely is at night. At night is when everything starts to seem like it's going to hell in a handbasket. So that's a great time for me to do a thought download. So you can see what works best for you. And what you do for a thought download is very simple. You can either sit and type it, or you can just write it out longhand. Either one is fine. Everyone has their own preference. And so for five minutes, you just write, just nonstop write what's in your mind, like get it all out on paper. 
And so I want to tell you about a time just a couple of days ago where I did this. So I was feeling really, really overwhelmed. Like, you know how people talk about like a panic attack, like I was having an overwhelm attack is what I kind of call it. Like I was just all of a sudden evaluating all these different things that I felt like I had to do at once. And at the same time, and I was just completely paralyzed by overwhelm. So I decided this is a good time to do a thought download. Let's just see what's actually in there. And so I actually went back to it in preparation for this podcast, because I type mine out, I generally can type a lot faster than I can write. And so I had kept it, that thought download, and I went through and looked at all my thoughts. And I pulled one out because I want to show you guys how you then put these into models and how you can change them. So What you do is you write this all out and then you start looking at all the thoughts that you have, like which ones are actually the circumstance, like what's the true facts here? And oftentimes there aren't many facts. It could just be like my life or my body or my practice, my husband, you know, my mother, like something like that. It doesn't have to be that like some actual thing happened necessarily. So you start teasing apart, what are the facts? What are the thoughts? And then you can just pick a thought and put it into a model. Now, it doesn't really matter which thought it is. It does not have to be like the worst sounding thought or the most important thought or, you know, anything like that. In in this case, what we're really trying to do is just practice using the model. And before you know it, you'll be able to do a model on any thought that you have. So here's an example from my overwhelm attack I I had a few days ago from that thought download. So the circumstance is my business. The thought, I have too many things going on right now to pick a financial business goal. My feeling is overwhelmed. My action was make no decisions, distract myself on social media, and waste time. And then the result is I still have no financial business goal. And I still have too many things going on because I haven't moved ahead on any of them. So you can see how that result is proof of that original thought or evidence of that original thought of I have too many things going on right now to pick a financial business goal. So once I saw that, I mean, that feels so true, right? I feel like, look, I've got too many things. I mean, I have all this evidence, like I have to do all of these things. It's too much. I don't have time to pick this financial goal. But by allowing myself to go into overwhelm with that thought, I was just completely spinning an indecision. I didn't have to make any decision. And sometimes even though it's so uncomfortable to feel overwhelmed, it's kind of a safe place. Because if I pick a financial business goal, oh my gosh, that means I need to start working toward it. And then maybe all sorts of other stuff might come up for me. So what I decided to do to change this model, so it's one that serves me, is I actually decided to work this one backwards. I'm going to show you guys how to do that. So what I decided is, first, I asked myself, what is the result that I want? And the result was that I had a financial business goal for 2017. You know, I wanted to make that decision. So then I worked backwards. If that's a result that I want, what is the action I need to take to achieve that result? And the action was pick a financial business goal and like my reasons for it. I didn't want to just pick anything. I wanted to have a good reason for it. So then I asked myself, okay, how do I have to feel if I am going to go ahead and pick a financial business goal and like my reasons for it. And the feeling I chose was in control. And then what I need to do is pick a thought about my business that makes me feel in control so that I pick a financial business goal and like my reasons for it. And then 
have the result of having a financial business goal for 2017. And the thought that I picked, and you may not agree with this thought, this thought, you might think this thought is not what I would pick. And that's totally fine. That's why everybody does their own work with this. But the thought that worked for me was there's plenty of time to get everything done. Because I tend to get into this kind of tailspin of like, there's not enough time, there's not enough time, I can't get everything done. And it's just not true, right? (laughs) It's just a story that I'm telling myself and getting myself all wound up. So I told myself I had this thought, deliberate thought, there's plenty of time, there's plenty of time to get everything done. And seriously, it did not take long. Once I could get myself out of overwhelm, I could use the powerful tool that is all of our brains, my brain to come up with a financial business goal and like my reasons for it. So that may seem like, you know, like a kind of a dumb thing. Like you might be like, yeah, but I've got 80 pounds to lose. Like, how is this going to apply? It's all the same thing. I oftentimes like using really simple models like this to show how simple it really is when you tease it apart. So to tie this all up, I definitely want to encourage you to start trying to do a thought download every day five to 10 minutes, write it all out. That alone might give you such a release, just getting that all out of your head and onto paper. And just looking at it again, you can evaluate it from a different place. I often try to think like, oh, I can do these models in my head. They're not as effective as seeing it in front of you. So start doing that. And then decide what are the real circumstances here? And what are the thoughts? and start running things through models. And if you have questions, please put them in the comments on the show notes page. You can find the show notes at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash two, K-A-T-R-I-N-A-U-B-E-L-L-M-D.com forward slash two. I will talk to you guys very soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Now, take the next step and go to KatrinaUbellMD.com to download just what you need. Join us again next week for more support to keep you in control and on the path to freedom around food.